All right, welcome to the series finale of Education in Color. Today I am joined by a wonderful guest, the one, the only, Bronx Borough President Vanessa Gibson. Vanessa Gibson, I'll let you take it away. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here to talk about New York City Men Teach and how we can actively work together to recruit more males of color, predominantly African-American men, to serve as teachers, educators, and role models across the Bronx and our city of New York. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. You just made my life like 100% easier because now I don't have to worry about the shout out later in the episode. We got that going right now. So I'll dive right into the first question, okay. which is, can you tell us about your upbringing in Bedford-Stuyvesant and how it influenced your passion for public education and public service? I was truly blessed. I was born and raised in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, and I was raised by a single mom who instilled the value of hard work. Uh, she worked hard, a full-time job, taking care of my brother and I, and really pushed us to excel. Uh, and I think as the oldest and being a girl, I was pushed a little bit harder than my brother, and it's okay. So she didn't accept when I came home with 70s or an 80, I had to come home with a 90 or 95. And I think that gave me my strong work ethic and watching my mom raise my brother and I, uh, and obviously not having everything that we wanted, not being independently wealthy, but being filled with love. And that was what my mom uh, did for me growing up, and that's what she still does today as a great support system, as my queen, as someone who is always there in my corner, just supporting me and encouraging me. And being surrounded in a residential community, going to the local elementary school in Bedford-Stuyvesant, meeting great um, people that ultimately become my friends and my family, I think that really has been a guiding principle uh, in my life now as a public servant and as a leader. Oh, thank you for that wonderful answer. And I, this is just like a random question, but does your mom also do this? Because my mom does this. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, look, mom, X, Y, and Z happened, right? And she'd be like, okay, that's nice. Do, does your mom also humble you the way my mom humbles me? She does. <laughs> and I think sometimes yeah. things are not always as interesting as I would like them to be. And I get it. Um, but my mom is very politically active. She reads the paper. She watches the news. So she knows that this is the world that I am in. And she appreciates it. She thinks I work too hard. She doesn't think I rest enough. So sometimes it's always like, you know, telling me to take time off. But I'm like, no, I have to go to another event. But that's what moms do. So she's great. An amazing woman. Thank you for that. Now, having attended multiple educational institutions in your journey, how have these academic experiences informed your philosophy on education as a whole? So I think it gave me a good array of a diverse set of different educational experiences. Elementary school, I went to the local public school in Bed-Stuy. I went to Catholic school for two years in seventh and eighth grade at St. John the Baptist, which was also in Bed-Stuy. And then I went to a new high school in Crown Heights called Middle College that was on the campus of Medgar Evers College as they were opening new smaller school settings. But I didn't like it freshman year, and I ultimately transferred sophomore year to Murray Bertram High School in Lower Manhattan, where I ultimately graduated in June of 1997. I'm dating myself. And <laughs> And it was a great experience. I was in a worker co-op program. So when I was a junior and senior, every week I worked at Lehman Brothers, which was in the World Trade Center oh, okay. at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was my first job, my first introduction to a steady paycheck. And I had amazing like older black women that were my bosses. They helped me put makeup on. They helped me become a young woman. And I felt love from them. And I would work at Lehman Brothers for a couple of years, my junior year and senior year in the worker co-op program. But then I knew that I 
could not stop at high school. And my mom, who graduated with a high school degree but never went to college, pushed me to excel and do more than me. And I knew I had to go to college. So I applied to CUNY, SUNY, uh, and I got accepted to the university at Albany. And I was excited about getting away from New York City. Did not want to go too far. Wanted to keep the in-state tuition. So I wanted to stay within New York State. And ultimately decided on the university at Albany. And I entered in August of 97. I was in a program called MRP for multicultural recruitment and for students of color that were, you know, financially challenged but did not meet EOP requirements. And my orientation that weekend, I visited the campus. I met amazing young ladies that were all from New York City. Me being from Brooklyn, I met Queens, I met, you know, Bronx and Harlem. And I honestly say we grew together. And when we returned a few weeks later to start our freshman year, we just so happened to be assigned to the same dormitory in SUNY and we ultimately build a a lifelong friendship that I didn't know would last and we grew together all four years of college we immersed ourselves in many activities we were very active on campus and ultimately I got into politics and the whole political uh, atmosphere and state government through an internship when I was a senior at UAlbany and I learned about an internship with the New York State Assembly and myself and two of my friends Melissa and Monique both applied and we all got accepted to the New York State Assembly intern program and I was assigned to work for an incredible woman credible woman of faith of courage of commitment older African-American woman named Aurelia Green and she ultimately was serving the State Assembly for 27 years and she became my political mentor my political mother as she climbed the ladder she lifted me with her and she was the one person that God brought in my life to introduce me to politics to state government and ultimately to the great borough of the Bronx damn I, I gotta look away for a second I gotta wipe this tear coming in my eye <laughs> you got me in my feels right now that was that was amazing and what were some of the most pivotal educational issues that you tackled during your time in the New York State Assembly Uh, Obviously, mayoral control was Mm -hmm. always something that was up for renewal every few years. That was one of the first votes I took when I became a New York State Assembly member when I was elected on June 2nd, 2009, supporting public education in all of our school districts in the state, but New York City being the largest one, the largest school district, but obviously so much need, Um, supporting parental choice, engaging our parents, supporting PTAs, making sure that our CECs were fully supported and well-resourced making sure that we tackle the digital divide by supporting measures that address tech equity, connecting families with internet access and connectivity, really looking at more partnerships with the private sector, with the public sector. I'm a big supporter of school-based health clinics, which I believe provide stability for our children while they're in school so we don't have to call 911 and they go to the local emergency room, but we have well-staffed schools with full-time nurses, guidance counselors, and social workers, supporting after-school program and sports so that we support programs like Title IX that really broke barriers for women in sports. All of those things we were very supportive of as a member of the New York State Assembly and as a state legislature a legislator looking at opportunities to bring more resources to New York City and more resources to the Bronx ultimately. Thank you for that. And also, um, you were in city council, correct? Yes. And so while your time at or during your time at city council, what was one educational program or initiative that you were particularly proud of that you guys championed? 
Wow, so many. So mm -hmm. after I served for four years in the state assembly from 2009 until 2013, I ran for the New York City Council for District 16 and got elected November 5th, 2013. And I took office with uh, 20 other council members. And we were a part of the new administration led by the new mayor at the time, Bill de Blasio. And I was able to chair the public safety committee in the city council. First African-American, first person of color to ever chair the public safety committee. That is how I engaged and built a relationship with the NYPD, with the district attorneys, the special narcotics prosecutor, working with 911 call takers, all of our unions, and education issues have always been important to me. The school-based health clinics, the tech equity, addressing the digital divide, supporting after schools, extended day learning, supporting students with IEPs, District 75 and District 79 students, really supporting well-rounded students, focusing on arts. One of my biggest, biggest pieces of legislation that I worked on with other electeds was adding more art teachers in schools because we learned at the time that gym teachers and others were teaching art and they were not certified to do so. We also expanded on school-based health clinics, many of which in the Bronx are now run by Montefiore and Children's Aid Society. We also supported the crisis management system and, and really looking at alternatives to incarceration and detention so that we focus on prevention and not detention. We focus on young people, on their learning, on recreation, on community spaces, on safe spaces, so that they had options. We supported CTE and pathways to college and careers and apprenticeship opportunities because we realize not every young person has a path to college, but if they don't, they should have a path to a career and investing in young people, not giving up on them. They may make mistakes, but they are not society's statistic, but they're society's success stories, reminding them that their block doesn't block their blessing and their zip code doesn't deny their destiny, setting them up for success and believing in them, encouraging them, motivating them, and realizing that we are role models and you cannot be what you cannot see. And young people need to see leadership that looks like them in all spaces, including teachers. When our young black and brown men, young men, Men go into these classrooms. They need to see young teachers that are African American and Latino that look just like them because you connect with them. You look up to them. They look just like you. They have a lot of the same struggles that you've had, but they're now teachers, they're educators, and they're given the great responsibility of teaching our young people. So we worked on a lot of education issues. At the time, my chair was Mark Traeger from Southern Brooklyn. He's a teacher by trade, and we really focused on public education. We focused on making sure that we had arts and sports and cooking classes and just all of the extracurricular activities that we know are really necessities today. So I'm very proud of the work we've done. We also focused on sexual health education because we realize our young people and adolescents need to learn about sexual health. They need to learn about hygiene. If you know better, you do better. And we want to make sure that our young people are given the skills, the education, the resources so that they can be well-rounded, talented students, full of ambition, bold, being legendary, being exceptional, and being the very best students that they can truly be. Thank you for that. And uh, switching gears and focusing now on your current position as the Bronx mm -hmm. Borough President, as the first woman in African American as the Bronx Borough President, what new perspectives do you bring to the educational policy in the Bronx? So I think I bring the perspective of learning a lot and always being humble and still being able to learn from others, learning and leading and engaging and collaborating and bringing together all stakeholders that share the same values that we do, aligning with what we believe is important that every child, 
Every child has promise and potential. We cannot give up on them. We cannot allow them to think that just because they live in certain communities that they're not destined for great success, but believing in them and loving them and supporting them because not every child goes home to a loving home. Not every child feels safe in their neighborhood. Not every child feels that they are valued and worthy. And that's what we have to change. We have to change that narrative so that children feel loved and they don't feel that there are all these obstacles and hurdles in their way, but they can dream big. They can hope. They can realize that no matter what, if I work hard, that all hard work will truly pay off. That is what I bring to the table. Authenticity, a real commitment, a real drive, a real ambition. And being an African-American, Caribbean-American woman of color, personal issues that affect women and children, like maternal health that are affecting women at a higher rate than anyone else. It's personal to me. It's very personal to my deputy and I. We are the only borough in New York City led by two women, and that is happening on purpose. It is happening by design. It is happening for a reason, a time, and a season. And I want to make sure that the residents of our borough see us in all spaces. Whether you like it or not, we are the borough president. And we want to show this borough that we can be the very best we truly can be. If we work together, if we have faith, if we engage, if we partner together, if we collaborate, and we also have to demand better of ourselves. We cannot sit back and wait for government to take care of us. Government has a role to play, but so do we. And you don't need a title in front of your name to care about your community. You can adopt a park. You can organize a civic association, a tenants association in your building. You have to realize that we are not suffering alone. There are so many others out there whose stories are far worse than ours, but we may not know their names, we may not know their stories, but they share the struggles that we share. But at the end of the day, I'm very hopeful, very optimistic, and I know that better and brighter days truly lie ahead. Thank you for that. And now as we wind down to the end of our segment, I only have two final questions for you. And you know what? I've memorized this enough. I don't need this right now. (laughs) But the question I want to ask is, what advice do you have for aspiring young leaders in the Bronx who are looking towards a career in public service or just government in general? The first piece of advice I would always give, and people ask me, what would you say to your younger self? I would always say, stand in your purpose, know your value and know your worth, and love yourself enough to know what you should expect. Never let anyone treat you less than the way you deserve to be treated. Hold your head up high on a pedestal and do not accept the floor, but aim for the ceiling. Surround yourself by people who can help you as an individual. Be your authentic self. Don't ever be afraid of being who God has made you to be. Sometimes you may doubt yourself. Sometimes you feel that you wear the world on your shoulders, especially as women and people of color, marginalized people, LGBTQIA plus people, people with disabilities. We feel that sometimes the world doesn't see us, but they do. And you have to realize that, that you are stepping into spaces sometimes never designed for you. You will go into these boardrooms and classrooms and sometimes you turn, look to your left, look to your right, and you're the only woman. You're the only person of color. Don't ever feel that you don't deserve to be in that space. And sometimes it takes a while. We don't always know what our destiny is, but reach for the stars, put one step in front of the other and keep moving forward, right? It's upward ever 
for always moving forward and making sure that at the end of the day, you are your best self. You are your authentic self. And there should be no barrier to your success. The only barrier is you. Don't let anyone define who you are. Intern, volunteer, get your foot in the door because that door can lead to so much more. You may not be thrown a $100,000 job on day one, but if you see the vision, if you see that your work will pay off, that title will come. If you do the work, the title will come. If you do the work, that $100,000 job will come. You just have to be patient. Instant gratification sometimes isn't always the best for us. You have to know what you're worth. You have to know what you truly want to do in life and develop a plan. You can do nothing without a plan. You have to develop a plan, have a passion to serve, and know what your purpose is in life. And sometimes it seems impossible because you see the world, you see the negativity, you don't see anything positive, but I am here as a living testament to remind you that any and everything is possible. There were many people that stood with me, that supported me, that made sure that I could be the next Bronxboro president, but there were many doubters that didn't see an African-American Caribbean woman from Brooklyn running in a Latino borough like the Bronx. They didn't see the victory line, but God saw it. And every step of the way, God has prepared me for this moment, for this time and this season. And making sure that at the end of the day, I represent everyone and my office and my staff is reflective of the diverse borough that we represent, the borough of the Bronx, birthplace of hip hop, home of salsa, right? That is who we are, a borough of opportunities, a global destination. And we want to make this borough the best place to live, to work and raise our families. Oh my God, thank you so much for that. And the final thing I'll ask of you is anyone you want to shout out, sponsors, stakeholders, or anyone near and dear to your heart, that's your personal camera right there. Feel free to shout them out. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I guess I just want to thank the residents of the Bronx for the incredible honor to serve as your borough president. It means the world to me that you had faith, you prayed for me, you had confidence in my leadership. My deputy borough president and I, Janet Beguero, we are excited about the possibilities. The Bronx is filled with so much promise. We are a beautiful mosaic of different cultures and nationalities and ethnicities, and we come together on so much. There is much more we have in common than that will ever divide us. And we have to focus on bridging the gap, on making sure that we work together, we achieve great schools, safe streets, jobs, economic development, supporting small businesses. We're doing amazing things from reimagining the Kingsbridge Armory, capping the Cross Bronx, expanding the Metro North by four stations from Co-op City to Morris Park, Parkchester, Hunts Point, transforming the Hunts Point produce market, the Peninsula, all of the things we're doing, the renovations at the Orchard Beach Pavilion, our own Bronx Riviera, to the work of creating the first Universal Hip Hop Museum to affirm that the Bronx is the birthplace of hip hop, the children's museum that we opened two years ago, all of the new schools, the new housing, everything that we are a part of is about advancing this great borough. And it is my hope that you see our work, you engage with us, connect with us, and we look forward to working with you because the very best is yet to come. Boogie down Bronx, stand up every day, 
all day. Oh my God. Thank you so much for that. And with that being said, that does wrap up the series Education in Color. Thank you so much again for joining me today for this conversation. Honestly, right now, I just feel like, where's the, where's the nearest thing I could go volunteer? Talk about it like, go out the door and be like, where can <laughs> yes, I help? Yes, that's but right. With that being said, I wish I, you know, if these mics didn't cost a lot of money, I would have just done a mic oh, drop. Oh, mic right drop, mic drop. And be like, all right, we're off this. <laughs> but I'll see you guys when I see you guys. Thanks for joining yes. me on this journey. Take care. Take care. It's never easy trying to figure out how to end something properly. Literally, me and Basilica have been here for like the past five, 10 minutes. All right, we do a take? Eh, maybe, maybe not. At this point, this is gonna be my final, final, final take, which I just wanna say thank you to everyone who watched and supported the series. Thank you to all the guests who have come on and shared their life stories, goals, and visions for the future. And thank you to the staff who've made this possible. Special shout out to my producer, Basilio. He's been with me since day one, creating this podcast, creating this project, and giving me that platform. Being able to you know, capture my good side. Listen, sometimes some sides just don't work that well. He's always been great at capturing my good side. But um, getting down to like the real message I wanna give you guys, this project has held a very special place in my heart and I hope that no matter where I go in the future, I'm able to create projects as impactful as this one was to me. But with that being said, this is the series finale of Education in Color. Truly appreciate you guys for tuning in and giving me your time. And that's a wrap. Catch you guys when I catch you guys. Hope you guys stick around for the journey and where I go next. Take care.